let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcroft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Thursday evening where we continue our reflections into the richness of the gospel text that we will hear this Sunday, this fifth Sunday in Ordinary Time. That once again has us in the Gospel of Luke in uh, chapter 5, where we hear Jesus calling the fishermen to cast their nets. What a rich, rich uh, gospel that we have for a reflection this evening. And I am flying solo, so if you have any uh, questions, comments, and observations, please do not hesitate to email me at jholljmj at yahoo.com, uh, or you can go to my website at joholcraft.org. That's spelled J-O-E-H-O-L-L-C-R-A-F-T dot org. You can hit the contact link button there and uh, send your message on its way. Okay, with that, uh, let us just really jump into our subject matter, and we will start with the reading. And again, we are in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. While the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had ceased speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great shoal of fish. And as their nets were breaking, they beckoned to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats, so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him, at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. Henceforth, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Amen. What a beautiful and also most striking reading. A little bit, my friends, about the geography of today's reading and maybe why it is significant before we get into the essence of uh, this reading. Uh, first, uh, this Lake Gennesaret. It is a freshwater lake about 12 miles long and six miles wide. Huh? It lies some 685 feet below sea level and is approximately, of course, this would be a number that would fluctuate, 200 feet deep. Um, fishing was back then and still is very much an important industry on the lake. Now, what's interesting to note here is that the sea is surrounded by high hills on all sides. And the great difference between the air on top of these hills and the air on the low-lying water can cause sudden and violent storms. 
You know, in the New Testament, this lake is also referred to as what? But the Lake of Tiberias and maybe even more familiar to some of us, the Sea of Galilee. And what we also find, of course, in the gospel here, my friends, is that our Lord's preaching often centered around this lake's shores. Now, according to Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus called his first disciples away from their fishing fleets on the Sea of Galilee. It was a natural barrier between the Jewish side on the west and the Gentile side on the east. The Gospel of Mark, in particular, has Jesus crossing the Sea of Galilee in a boat on a number of occasions. And these crossings turn the Sea of Galilee into what we can call a bridge, bringing Jews and Gentiles together through our Lord's preaching and healing activities. Remember who the Gentiles are. Those were the people who were outside of the national covenant that God had established with his people through, of course, the chief mediator of Moses. So it's fascinating to look at the geography and see how God would use this as a kind of sign that would point to the new covenant, the covenant that is just not national, but universal. And remember, my friends, the word Catholic, um, coming from the Greek word katholike, best translates as universal. Hmm? In the New Testament, the sea represents uh, the moment of conversion, huh? On the sea, nothing happens normally, but always in abrupt, marvelous, or even, we could say, difficult ways. Some of the most dramatic nature miracles of our Lord takes place where? But on the Sea of Galilee. Mark tells the story of Jesus calming the sea after a squall had blown up, threatening the lives of the disciples. He also describes how Jesus walked on the waters of the Sea of Galilee and revealed himself, of course, to the apostles as who but I am, <laughs> echoing, of course, the burning bush. In John, we have the moving you know, post-resurrection breakfast scene of Peter's confession of faith and our Lord's confidence in Peter, the repentant sinner. So a lot of miracles happening on the Sea of Galilee, and once again, significant as it bridges the gap, as it brings unity to all peoples, both Gentile and Jew alike. Now, speaking of Peter's repentance, <laughs> how about Peter's words? Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. You know, Peter's imperfections seem almost magnified to him in the presence of our Lord. What is going on here? My dear friends, when our souls meet Christ, the encounter bears the mark of contrition. Our heart is smitten by Christ, and we echo those words of Peter, all of us, if it is genuine, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, Lord. You see, confrontation of our own selves with God renders us what? Conscious and aware of our own unworthiness and sinfulness. Suddenly, the guilt we incur burns our souls, and we reject evil and, by the grace of God, revert to God. When our contrition is authentic, it leads to what? What have we talked about before? But genuine resolve. And this resolve loosens the tension in our lives 
and we are now free to love. We are free to be who God has called us to be. If birds are most free when they are flying and fish most free when they are swimming, then man is most free when he is loving. Consider, if I say to you that I am sorry and I don't mean it and I don't show it, will that relationship be free from tension? No, right? If I say I am sorry and I don't mean it and I don't show it, will I be free to love that person I am saying sorry to? No. Friction is tangible. This is why reconciliation is existential, huh? Contrition awakens the soul in its depth because our encounters with Christ, when they are real, invade our souls through and through. And by through and through, I mean every nook and cranny of our soul. <laughs> we could properly say burns for God. This is what metanoia is about. That Greek rendering of repentance, that encounter is so real that it truly does invade every nook and cranny of your soul. You are now sorry for your sin and you are resolved to change. And now you have a new direction, a new way in life. And that way is the way of Jesus Christ. Amen to that. Now, in today's gospel scene, Jesus is teaching by the shore and the crowds press in on him, huh? And Jesus spots the boat of Simon and gets in it. And he asks him to launch out a bit from the shore so that he can preach from there. When finished, he tells Simon to take the boat into the deep water and let down his nets. Simon is a bit wary of this, right? Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Maybe Peter was questioning the credentials of our Lord as a fisherman here, huh? <laughs> I mean, Jesus was a carpenter by trade. He had grown up inland in the town of Nazareth. Remember, Nazareth was a little town you know, tucked away in a, a cup of hills. What could this carpenter possibly know about fishing? And yet, what do they do with his request to cast into the deep? Well, they cast into the deep. And let it be known that the first casting into the deep, if you will, the first casting into the mysterious beyond was that the fishermen trusted Jesus, a carpenter. This casting out into the deep, you know, was a great theme to the pontificate of St. John Paul II. At the beginning of the millennium, he cried out to all Christians to what? Throw out your nets once more. And my dear friends, this was not a tired or resigned cast out into the deep, but a robust never tire of casting. Never say there is nothing more we can do. Never say we have already tried everything. There is no use. Never say it was just a waste of time. No, 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 no. Take up the attitude of Simon Peter. The attitude that was quite different than the, this'll just be a waste of time. What do we read? At your word, I will drop down the nets. Fascinating. In spite of what is counterintuitive to his whole life as a fisherman, he says, at your word. He says, at your word. You know, this whole scene from today's gospel reading can help 
all of us in many different situations. I mean, think about it. Who does not experience some moments when nothing seems to work anymore, when all the paths are blocked? Maybe you have experienced that today. It can be that way in in personal relationships or in our work, in our local communities, in our local parishes. A good many parishes have had that kind of experience often, where despite all their efforts, everything seems to be getting more and more difficult, less and less successful. And what is Jesus telling us today through the gospel, through people who have had the same experience? Give it one more try. Put your trust in me and in my help. After all, he says to all of us, he says to all of us, I am in the boat with you. Huh? I am in the boat with you. So cast, cast into the deep. And what follows this casting? But a miraculous catch. You know, in the case of this narrative, a whole school of fish straining the nets and the boats to the breaking point. And as it relates to this narrative, it is then that we have the aforementioned words of Peter, depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. In other words, my spirit is dull and my heart faint. I am a burden to all my companions and a laughingstock to those who know their trade. Depart from me, a sinner. You see, Peter's encounter with Jesus was real. It was real. So how does Jesus assure this awestruck apostle, Peter? What does he say? Do not be afraid, Simon. From now on, you will be catching people. (laughs) It was as though Jesus said to this discouraged Galilean fisherman, I shall not depart from you. (laughs) I know who you are. I know your past, but that is not what is important to me because I need your hands. I need your feet. I need your heart. I need your very life. There is hope for you, Jesus says to this Galilean fisherman. I have cast my nets wide, and you are my best catch. See how the net is breaking and the boat begins to sink? You have labored and toiled for many years without hope. It is as if Jesus says to Peter, come now to labor and spend yourself with me, where I will teach you to walk on water to cast a net of light into the waters above the abyss. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. And my dear friends, in a manner of speaking, he says the same thing to you and me. Does he not? I know who you are. I know your past. For all of your failures, that is not what's important to me. You are better than your worst. And I will take your surrender and multiply it for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. That is what he is saying to Peter. That is what he is saying to us. You are better than your worst. Okay. Now it's interesting. In Mark's account of this scene in Matthew's, the fishermen who follow Jesus leave their nets and their father. In what we just read in Luke, They leave everything, an indication of 
Luke's theme of complete detachment from material possessions. You know, discipleship is a powerful, compelling call to a new life, a call away from routine, a call away from frustration and towards adventure and towards a new purpose, a purpose that is liberating. Jesus himself was now calling them to be fishers of people, to be engaged in the struggle with the raging waters of the sea. The sea that, in a most fascinating way, was both the source of their livelihood, their food, but also there was a great deal of mystery. So it was a source of threat and chaos. The sea could take their lives as well as feed them. This is the fascinating tension, if you will, of just not the livelihood of the fishermen, but the livelihood of any one Christian, right? Are you willing? (laughs) Are you willing? My friends, that is the power behind this symbolic image of water made reality for the apostles and for all of us who wish to share in the mission of bringing souls to Christ. Are you willing to cast into the deep? As we read in the narrative, Jesus gets into Peter's boat in order to teach the crowds. And from the bark of Peter, which of course in our tradition we have always called the church, he continues to teach the whole world. You know, at certain times during church history, and perhaps we could say in our own history, it might seem as if the light of the Spirit has been all but extinguished and that Jesus is no longer with us in the boat. But let us be honest with ourselves and realize that the flame has never gone out and the presence of the Lord has never disappeared. What did he say in Matthew 28, 20? Lo, I will be with you always until the end of the age. And so it is, the church goes on, saving souls and journeying, we could say, to its final harbor in that blessed realm beyond the seas of this life, all the things which threatens God's church in this world will be gone forever. But as so long as we abide in Christ, well, that is where our peace is, huh? We are all to get in this boat together with the Lord himself. And we are all called to trust the Lord, to show us the way, to bring us to our goals safely, and to feed our souls on the journey. Again, we will no doubt encounter problems. There will be days when we cast out our nets all day long, and at the end of the day, there might be nothing to show for it. But it is in those times where we must listen to the Lord all the more attentively, as Peter did, and cast our nets again into the deep. For it is our faith that is being tested on whether or not we are ready to live what we profess. Remember what faith is all about. It is just not the belief in some impersonal magnetic force. huh? No, but a response. God is love, John's epistles remind us. And as such, we respond to this love with a response of love, mindful that every charitable act that we do is God, who is love, simply crowning his own gifts. That's St. Thomas Aquinas, huh? It is the 
firm response. Uh, what do we read in Romans 1, 5 and 16, 26? We read of the obedience of faith. My dear friends, Paul's words there translate the Old Testament vision of faith, which was never about faith, but faithfulness. The Hebrew emanah is firm response, response of listening. So the obedience of faith, which better translates the obedience that is faith or the obedience that springs from faith, is about the firm response. Let what we do be a reflection of who we believe in. 24-7-365. Very important. Let us understand faith for what it is and how important it is. What does Jesus say? Your faith has saved you. Your faith has saved you. Okay, you know, here we are talking about the bark of Peter. And uh, (laughs) what we ought to be reminded of is that uh, we are not sailing here on, has been said by some, the Titanic. (laughs) We ought to be reminded during this extraordinary Jubilee year of mercy that the Lord does not abandon those who come seeking His mercy and His forgiveness. He walks upon the waters. He calms the storm. He guides the boat into safe harbor and brings with him the great catch, we could say. And this great catch is the great feast to which we are all summoned. The daily feast of his body and blood, soul and divinity, our food for eternal life. My dear friends, as I'm looking up at the clock and we are running out of time, I would like to leave you with a few questions. Hmm? Have we had an encounter with Christ where we find ourselves echoing Peter's words? Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Have we had that kind of encounter? Have we allowed God's love to invade our souls through and through? Are we resolved to change? Are we? That's an important question. You've heard me talk about New Year's resolutions before. Well, let our liturgical resolution be one of reconciliation. Remember what the word resolve means. It comes from the Latin resolutio, which means to loosen. If we want to feel lighter in our step, then we ought to consider the sacrament of confession and uh, let those penances uh, reflect our resolution. Hmm? Have we cast our nets into our local communities? Have we been discouraged? Should we not cast again and again and again? Have we experienced uh, the raging tempest winds like that of the fishermen? What did St. John Paul to say? Cast yet again. Have you stayed committed in your discipleship in spite of your perceived failure? I think that's an important question. So often, we are excited about the faith. We are robust in our faith. And then someone says something to us, or someone does something to us, and we begin to shrink, and we draw back from our discipleship. Who are we putting our confidence in? Ourselves or Jesus Christ? Maybe, maybe God has stuck out His foot, and He wanted us to fall, to remind us that it is not our doing, but God's doing that has us on the forefront of evangelization and catechesis. Let God determine the outcome. 
Don't look at things like numbers or small numbers discourage you. Soul by soul, person by person, let God work through you. Be his vessel. Be his instrument. My dear friends, we cannot be that vessel. We cannot be that instrument if we have not first allowed Jesus Christ once again to invade our souls through and through. So read closely this gospel narrative. We only scratch the surface here on Seeds of Truth. Our reflections from one week to the next hopefully just get the ball rolling for you, hopefully get you thinking more critically about the narrative, but I never, want it, I never want it to be the sum total of your reflection from one week to the next. Why? Because it is very important for you to take the narrative that we reflect with from one week to the next and bring it before our Lord. Read it carefully, prayerfully. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. What we do here from one week to the next, hopefully, is something that adds on to your own reflections as opposed to replace it. So, very good. Let us go ahead and wrap up with a word of prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death, amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end, amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.